Welcome to Today on Broadway for Wednesday, March 28th, 2018. I'm Broadway World's Julie Musbeck. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. All right, so Matt had promised reviews of the latest opening shows, but I didn't know that because I didn't listen to his show until today. Ah. So we're going to catch up on that. Okay. Excellent. <laughs> well, speaking of reviews, we have uh, a few shows that have opened up in the last couple of days. We have uh, Angels in America and Lobby Hero. Uh, so why don't you get us to those reviews? All right. So we're going to start with Angels in America, which opened on Broadway on Saturday, March 24th, returning to Broadway for the first time since 1993. This new staging of Part 1, Millennium Approaches, and Part 2, Perestroika, directed by Marianne Elliott, had its world premiere earlier this year in a sold-out run at the National Theater, where it became the fastest-selling show in the organization's history. Ben Brantley of the New York Times wrote, quote, Sometimes, just when you need it most, a play courses into your system like a transfusion of new blood. You feel freshly awakened to the infinite possibilities, not only of theater, but also of the teeming world beyond. And when you hit the streets afterwards, every one of your senses is singing. Such is the effect of seeing the flat-out fabulous revival of Tony Kushner's Angels in America, which opened on Saturday night at the Neil Simon Theater with a top-flight cast led by Andrew Garfield and Nathan Lane in career-high performances. Sarah Holdren from New York Magazine's Vulture said of the show's director, quote, Elliot, who's become known for her ability to coordinate vast, complex productions, she's the only woman with two directing Tonys for Warhorse and The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime, knows how to embrace the scope of Kushner's play while still keeping it about the ensemble who powers it. She and her top-notch design team are taking full advantage of the resources afforded by a huge commercial show like this one, but they're doing so with purpose and even restraint to the full support of the actors. Finally, Barbara Schuler of Newsday wrote, quote, Angels presents a complicated story that covers nearly eight hours in two parts, a major commitment requiring audiences to maintain deep concentration just to keep up. But it's time well spent, if only to revel in the glories of Ian McNeil's futuristic set and the spectacular performances of each actor, all of whom play multiple characters. Lane reverts to his comedic roots portraying one of Pryor's deceased relatives. In one of her several roles, Susan Brown becomes a spectral vision of Ethel Rosenberg, whom Cohn prosecuted, and in a haunting scene says Kaddish over his body. Everyone ends up as an angel at some point. So, James, you saw this, and you really liked it, right? Uh, well, I saw the original production of Angels. Uh, I have not seen this production yet. I see it uh, next week, I think. Okay. So I'm really excited about this because uh, some of the word of mouth went back and forth over being really great. And then, well, they kind of missed the mark. So I'm glad it uh, all pulled together, which is why we have preview periods to make this stuff all work. Definitely. All right. So what do we have in the Lobby Hero re reviews? All right, so Lobby Hero by Kenneth Lonergan opened on Monday, March 26th. It stars Michael Sarah, Chris Evans, Brian Tyree Henry, and Belle Poli. Ben Brantley, again writing for the New York Times, said, quote, There's a reason that Mr. Rockwell's set revolves between scenes, forcing us to adjust our angles of observation. Like morality, identity is relative in Lobby Hero. Few playwrights match Mr. Lonergan in making confident art out of such constantly shifting uncertainty. Alexis Solowski, whose review appeared in The Guardian, wrote, quote, Under Trip Coleman's direction, the acting is mostly extraordinary. Michael Sarah is doing his typical high-voiced, friendly slacker thing, and Polly is, is feisty, though her role is less fully written than the others. 
Henry is a standout with his sturdy physicality and his easy authority. He shows William's helpless determination to make the right call and the ways that his choices undermine his sense of self. Evans is a surprise much more than an action hero trying to prove that he's still got it. His bill, a fine cop and a lousy human, is a monster you can often empathize with. Romatore from New York One said Lobby Hero is packed with issues that resonate in very big ways today. Gender, race, police abuse, and the entire criminal justice system. But it's also simply about the conflicted impulses that make us all so terribly and confoundingly human. Finally, Leah Greenblatt from Entertainment Weekly wrote, quote, It's Henry with his murky moral dilemma and low-key comic timing who becomes the play's least showy MVP. His family quandary is also what the plot turns on. Its jerry-rigged tension eventually comes to a head in a revelation that feels more schematic than earned, and the stress points of race and sex and power the script touches on are only glancingly resolved. But Lobby is still a smart, thoughtful piece of work, fairy-dusted by the starry presence of its celebrated cast. And are you looking forward to this one? I am, and I'm surprised none of the uh, reviews here really mentioned the that this is the kickoff of Second Stage's uh, Helen Hayes Theater. So maybe it's elsewhere in these articles uh, from the snippets that we're we're seeing here. But uh, congratulations not only to the Lobby Hero cast and production, but to Second Stage and kicking off uh, the new Broadway theater that they own. Definitely. All right. So let's uh, talk about some Broadway-bound news. All right. So we've got some big news right up front in that Stephanie J. Block is confirmed as starring as the diva in The Share Show. So it was announced yesterday that Broadway favorite Stephanie J. Block will star as the pop singer at the height of her career. Similar to the upcoming musical Summer, the Donna Summer musical, The Share Show will feature two other actresses performing as Share during earlier stages in her life. Block took to Twitter to confirm the news, sharing that she was excited and honored to be bringing Share to Broadway. The Share Show, the new, mu- the new musical based on the life and six-decade career of the iconic singer and actress, will have its pre-Broadway world premiere in Chicago, with previews beginning on June 12, 2018 at the Oriental Theater before making its Broadway debut at the Neil Simon Theater in fall 2018. And now this is the description of the show, which I'm not sure if you need any, but let's try it anyway. The kid on a tricycle vowing to be famous, the teenage phenom who crashes by 20, the glam TV star who quits at the top, the would-be actress with an Oscar, the rock goddess with 100 million records sold, the legend who's done it all, still scared to walk on stage, the wife, mother, daughter, sister, friend, the woman looking for love, the ultimate survivor chasing her dream. They're all here, dressed to kill, singing their asses off, telling it like it is, and they're all the star of the Cher show. So uh, that's exciting that uh, Stephanie J. Block, you know, she had uh, quite an interview with Matt back when, uh, uh, I guess, uh, is it over the summer? He did a Tell Me More episode when he had Stephanie J. Block on and they talked about the Covenant House and the Broadway Sleepout. So uh, uh, folks uh, should check that that out again uh, if you want to look in the archives for that. Uh, she's quite a multi-talented person there. That's exciting. All right, we have stars confirmed for Barrington's world premiere of the Royal, the, the Royal Family of Broadway musical. The Royal Family of Broadway, yep. <laughs> Royal. 
Yeah, so this came according to a casting notice and was put up as sort of a rumor to begin with until it's absolutely confirmed, but it seems about as true as it can get. So the world premiere of the Royal Family of Broadway Barrington Stage Company will be led by Harriet Harris as Fanny, Will Swenson as Tony, and Kathy Fitzgerald as Kitty. The notice also listed Arnie Burton as Bert, Chip Zine as Oscar, Haley Pochon as Gwen, A.J. Shively as Perry, and Alan H. Green as Gil. The role of Julie has not yet been cast. I'll take it. That sounds perfect. Yeah, I was thinking that. <laughs> the Royal Family of Broadway is described as a masterful musical comedy love letter to the Great White Way. For the Cavendishes, the show must go on. Set in the 1920s and loosely based on the legendary Barrymore family, it centers on three generations of actors, an aging imperious grand dame, a Broadway star looking for love, a self-centered boozing leading man who has fled to Hollywood, and a promising ingenue, each having to make pivotal choices in their lives. The Royal Family of Broadway boasts an all-star creative team with a book by Rachel Schenken, music and lyrics by William Finn, choreography by Joshua Bergas, and direction by... All I wrote was John. Hold on. John something. I accidentally deleted the rest of his name. John Rando. Of course, John Rando. Who else would it be? <laughs> what other John is out there? <laughs> All right. So it will begin previews on June 7th, 2018 at the Boyd Quinson main stage. Opening is set for June 13th, 2018, and it will run through June 30th, 2018. Now, James, do you go up to the Berkshires much? Uh, no, I haven't in the in recent years. I used to a lot. Um, and we're going to have to get back up there because this sounds too good to pass up. There's so many things going on uh, in the Berkshires this, this summer coming up. So we're going to have to make a special trip out to it. I got lost in the woods. It was terrifying and I hated it. <gasps> oh, my goodness. A little too much back. nature. I did, but just barely. Uh, were you an adult or were you a child? Oh, no, this was last summer. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I ask again, were you an adult or were you a child? No, uh, I got lost in the woods when I was a child, when I was like eight years old. And it was terrifying and exciting all at the same time. Was it nighttime, though? And were you driving down a one-lane road? Because it was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> it, it 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 ended up being overnight and uh i was by myself and but i wasn't driving because i was eight so but it was terrifying <laughs> all right drew drew gelling to lead dave world premiere in washington dc dc sure DC. Ah, news out of D.C. yesterday. So Drew Galen was announced to be headed to the Mid-Atlantic to, to star as both President Bill Mitchell and the title role in Dave, the world premiere musical debuting this summer based on the blockbuster Academy Award-nominated comedy. SpongeBob's Tina Landau is set to direct. Dave tells the story of high school teacher and presidential lookalike Dave Kovich, who is hired by the Secret Service as a stand-in for the commander-in-chief. When the president falls ill under less than presidential circumstances, Dave is thrust into the Oval Office to avoid a national scandal and must find a way to gain the trust and love of the American people and the First Lady. Dave runs July 13th through August 19th, 2018 at Arena Stage. And this almost sounds like something that could come to Broadway at some point. Not only could it come to Broadway, but it's so perfect that it's opening up in D.C. And we're going to count on Debbie Schrager, our listener down in the D.C. area, to 
give us uh, all the inside scoop there and maybe even give us a review. So uh, exciting. July 13th to August 19th at Arena. So cool. All right. Uh, so last week's Broadway Grosses. Tell us what happened there. All right. So as more shows started preview performances last week and Spring Breakers began flooding Times Square, the Broadway grosses hit their highest total since early January, coming in at $35,414,663. That's a $3,460,000 and 10.83% bump over the previous week. Part of that increase was four new shows joining the boards. First and foremost was Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, which did $1,541,957 in its first six previews. It was followed by Rocktopia, which did $813,589 in eight shows. The Iceman Cometh with nearly $392,000 in just two performances, after the snow forced them to cancel their first preview. And Children of a Lesser God did $247,000 in five shows. Now, James, Arctopia opens tonight, and you saw the show over the weekend, so did you want to give us a quick review of the show, which did pretty well in its first week? Oh, my goodness. Uh, so, uh, Rocktopia is... Uh, I, I didn't realize that uh, it was this play on classical music versus contemporary music. I, I don't think that that was in any of the uh, marketing materials. It might have been <laughs> if you had read. But it's interesting because I looked deeper into the Rocktopia thing, and... They had um, their previous Rocktopia shows around the world do make it very clear that it's a classical uh, and contemporary mix. Um, my thing with this is that you can totally do the classical and contemporary thing, but this was not put together well. There's really very talented people involved with it, uh, but this was a total miss. I mean, oh. I mean, uh, <laughs> stay away, stay away from it. You know, <laughs> if somebody offers you a comp, uh, go do something else. Go to the dentist. Oh, it's that bad. You can't even go see it for free and get away with it. No, don't even go see it for free. <laughs> Yikes! It's two and a half hours too, and there's really there's two and a half hours, and it's too many ballads, and mm. they do have some amazing talent there, but. Oh my goodness, it was painful. They they announced somebody today coming. Did you see that? Let me see. Yes, we will be talking about that in just oh, a moment. We will? Okay, so I'll skip that. So back to... Uh, well, yeah, we you. wanted to talk about Rocktopia as much as we could just for you because mm. you love it so much. Yeah, it's next to, <laughs> uh, next to Margaritaville. It's uh, Shakespeare. Oh no. <laughs> All right. just gets sadder. <laughs> so I'll give it back to you. You can take over. All right. So getting back to better news, Hamilton was, of course, at the top of the box office list again with $3,082,529. It was followed by Springsteen on Broadway with $2.4 The Lion King at 2.07, Wicked at 1.82, and Dear Van Hansen with 1.67. That show also holds the week's distinction of having the highest percent of gross potential at 117.2%. Also north of seven figures in descending order were the aforementioned Cursed Child, Aladdin, Frozen in its opening week, so its total should increase this frame, Mean Girls at $1.27 in just seven shows, The Book of Mormon, Phantom, Come From Away, Carousel, and Hello, Dolly. My Fair Lady was a show on the outside looking in at $935,000. 
Angels in America had the biggest week-over-week decline, dropping nearly $246,000, but considering that press and guests had to attend two performances in the week of Sunday's opening night, that's not to be a surprise. Harry Potter and the Cursed Child will likely see something similar next month. Speaking of shows that recently opened, Escaped Margaritaville climbed $143,528 in its first official week post-opening. It is now at nearly $709,000. Lobby Hero, which opened on Monday, dropped a little bit, likely due to reviewing press, and came in at $333,114. All right. Uh, other showing casting news. Oh, here it is. Dee Snyder to return to Broadway in Rocktopia. That's right. So rock icon Dee Snyder, lead singer of Twisted Sister, will return to Broadway as a special guest vocalist in the show for the fourth week of its limited engagement, April 9th through 15th, 2018. Snyder became lead singer of the metal band Twisted Sister in 1976 and wrote the massive hits I Wanna Rock and We're Not Gonna Take It. He returns to Broadway following his lead performance as Dennis in the Tony-nominated smash Rock of Ages, which featured both of the above hit songs. And I'm assuming that you are not going to take it and go. (laughs) No, I might uh, skip this one. Uh, Although being a Twisted Sister Long Island boy, um, I still might skip this one. But look at this, Agnes DeMille, to officially receive credit for Carousel's revival choreography. Yeah, so this comes from an interesting article from the New York Times. Apparently, Carousel has received complaints that Agnes DeMille, the original choreographer, was not credited anywhere in the playbill for her contributions to the show. The choreographer is currently credited to Josh Peck, who Rudin himself says is responsible for all choreography in the show. What Rudin says he was not aware of is an agreement that was made between DeMille and the Rogers and Hammerstein organization, which promised that her work would be recognized by all future productions. And in, in this one, it has not been. Rick Miramontes says, once the producers were informed of R&H's inadvertent and accidental omission of its credit obligation to Miss DeMille, she is provided with a credit for her original choreography that was worked out between the producers and the R&H estate. So Carousel is in the process of printing new playbills that will go into circulation next week and will recognize her. Collector's item. (laughs) Hmm. And it's also interesting that the New York Times notes that this is the third time in three months that one of Rudin's productions has caused upset over a deceased artist's legacy. So that's something to think about. (laughs) Shocked. That's what I am, is shocked. All right, so uh, immersive off-Broadway adaptation of Train Spotting to premiere this summer. It was announced yesterday that the critically acclaimed No Holds Barred production of Irvine Welsh's Train Spotting Live will premiere off-Broadway this summer direct from a world tour. Adapted by Harry Gibson, the production features captures the passion and controversy of the generation-defining novel and globally successful film, and repackages it into a full-throttled stage show where the audience is an integral part of the action, including the notorious worst toilet in Scotland scene. Transpotting Live will open a custom-built immersive performance space at 777 8th Avenue, which is also home to the long-running hit Drunk Shakespeare. Preview performances are set to begin on Thursday, July 5th, 2018, with an opening set for Sunday, July 15th, 2018. The cast will be announced soon. So, James, have you seen this movie? Are you familiar? I saw, I, I, I could be wrong here. I thought I saw 
an off-Broadway production of Train Spotting many years ago. And I have to go back and look at my notes and see if that's actually true or not. But I didn't like it, if I do remember correctly. So I don't know. Have you seen the movie? Tra- the movie? I have not, actually. I don't really know anything about it. Hmm. So, uh, all right. Well, let's move on to the first set of Miscast 2018 videos are released. All right, so this is more of a recommendation, I believe, but we've got some first videos from Miscast, which was Monday night. Um, it includes Jeremy Jordan singing She Used to Be Mine, Casey Levy sings She's a Goddess, Katrina Lank sings and plays If I Were a Rich Man, Jordan Fisher sings From the Color Purple, and Alex Newell sings This Is Me, and finally the SpongeBob Trio sings a song from Company, and they are all totally enjoyable and you should definitely check them out i believe we'll have the links for you if you'd like them hmm. yeah so i looked it up quickly i did see train spotting in 1998 and you didn't like it i all i can remember is i didn't like it That's i'm sure nothing's <laughs> changed because that was not that long ago right <laughs> Yes, that's true. All right, why don't you get us out of here? All right, thank you for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio, and you can find me on Twitter at Julie Musback. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. I am going to be out the rest of the week, but Julie and Matt, I think, are taking you into the uh, covering you for the next couple of days. Is that correct? That is, yes. All right, Julie, hold down the fort and uh, get Matt back to uh, Orlando safely. I think he was already there. Isn't he? Oh, I don't know. Who knows where Matt is? Where in the world <laughs> is Matt? Not Matt <laughs> no, not him. Not this time. Not this time.